eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is a Swiss luxury watch manufacturer based in Schaffhausen, Switzerland. Known for its unique engineering approach to watchmaking, IWC combines the best of human craftsmanship and creativity with cutting-edge technology and processes. Discover the full collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And joining us today in person, which is a real treat on the other side of the mic, is my guest, Anatoly, the co-founder and CEO of Solana Labs. He really needs no introduction. That's because he's been on the show once before. Yesterday, you guys had some big news. You launched a... I mean, it came out of left field. You gave me uh, Austin gave me the heads up a few weeks ago. And I was like, all right, what could what could be going on? And it's a phone. Yeah. So give me the backstory. Well, you know, like I spent most of my career at Qualcomm. I was there working on like those shitty flip phones. I was a kernel engineer. We built like the first mobile platform. We got devs to build apps and those things. So that's something that has just been like part of my DNA for a long time. And like as soon as I got into crypto and I saw the UX that people deal with with like signing transactions and like custody. It's just like, like there's like a urgent need to make that integrated into the thing that you use every day, the smartphone. Like everyone feels it, I'm sure, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like why isn't that just part of like your normal phone experience where you're using like any Web3 application, just pops in like a little payment thing and you sign it and you see the transaction and it's all hardware based and secure. And that's something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And um, we did Breakpoint and it was prior to that, we were in lockdown under COVID for like a year and a half. And I couldn't tell if any of the people on Twitter were real people or not. <laughs> and we went, we went to Breakpoint, and it was like 3000 real people that were like cheering for us. And it was pretty cool. And started talking to some of our investors about like actually this more seriously. And uh, one of them connected me to Jason Keats and um, he's this legendary hardware builder, architect of the iPad Pro, just awesome nerd, like hardware nerd. And uh, he showed me like, oh yeah, we're kind of done. We're think building this privacy phone and we mind melded and that was it. So walk us through like how you got the, you know, the manufacturers together. So, I am blessed 
because I hit Jason. So he actually like is a logistics virtuoso. Somehow during COVID, in like the span of like six months that they funded Awesome, they built a device that had like a V1 engineering build, everything that they wanted already on there. And he had all the logistics and like supply chain stuff figured out. So basically the hard part was done, mm. right? Like, and that's kind of like my alternatives to actually pursuing this would have been going with like HTC or Nokia or like, you know, LG or any of the, you know, Samsung even. And those are huge companies, you know, yeah. with like millions of people. And like, there's no way that anybody would give me the light of day unless a true passion project of some VP or something. And Jason's running a startup, it's like 20 people. He's a founder, right? And he's got that founder energy and that crazy look in his eyes, like, I'm going to build this thing. It's going to go live <laughs> no matter what. And that's like what you need, right? To like build hard, complex problems. You need a, a small team that's just willing to grind. So I don't think it would have happened without him, basically. It's a tough market to break into. Yeah, so I worked... <laughs> Many have failed. Oh, I worked on, I think, I can name you the failures that are worked on. Amazon Fire. The oh, Windows yeah, Metro. remember that? There was a Facebook phone. WebOS, do you guys remember the Pixie and that like cheese cutter thing that Paul made? Yeah, I worked on those. <laughs> <laughs> so what lessons have you gleaned from some of those failures to make this a success? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the theory is that like, Crypto users might be crazy enough to like switch from iOS to Android because of crypto. Mm. It might be so important to have like that experience that they're willing to change their habits. And that's like, I've talked to people and they've kind of said that, yes, but like now I've seen them put like at least a hundred bucks behind that, right? Like, and that, that to me means that there is a core constituency, like a core group of customers we can build for. And that's really like, in a startup, that's really what you want. Like you want a core group of people that you can iterate with, make something really awesome. And then hopefully the market grows. Like, do you guys believe there's going to be a billion people using crypto? Yeah, but I don't know if there's a billion people who will be okay with green bubbles. Uh, we're going to have purple bubbles. <laughs> oh, that's a, now that's a horse of a different color. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we, we got to have our own bubbles. Yeah. It's like, well, Come you can't on. have green bubbles. Yeah. It's just that's just poverty. <laughs> um, so, is a good way to think about this is like creating a new system. It's a mobile phone. It's a new telecoms company to an extent, but it also might create a new payment system. Yeah. So, like, what's crazy is that Awesome is a twenty-person company. Like, maybe maybe bigger now. Like, they hired pretty quickly after that. We have like. I don't know, 80 people at Labs. FTX has like, I don't know, six engineers. <laughs> the three of us can build like a Apple Pay like service on top of crypto. And I don't know, that's probably one hundredth of the people working on at Google Pay or Apple Pay at like those big companies. Because you have these like crypto rails that are just all software, it's all cryptography. And Exchanges are pretty good now. They figured out how to get fiat, how to like convert arbitrary tokens to whatever you need. And like when you combine those things, you can build whatever those big tech companies are doing with like one hundredth of the resources. Which means to me, like the fees should be one hundredth, you know, like much, much lower for, for everyone involved. So 
that's like value created for the world. And if crypto does that, we've succeeded, right? We actually created value for the world. Hooray. We're sure done. <laughs> that's it. End of story. Yeah. Close the book. So talk to us a little bit about the security mechanisms that sit behind the phone. Someone on Twitter brought up a, a funny, yeah. somewhat funny point about how maybe could create a target, right? You've got the Solana fancy Solana phone. Every device and every wallet like is on your phone anyways, right? And it's stored as a BIP39 seed phrase in that application. And those users are already exposed, right? Everyone that has a Coinbase account or FTX account, that kind of risk is already there on just in a random person. So I don't think it's any bigger or greater. It's just as crypto gets more popular, we're going to have to like have you know, precautions around that. And I absolutely don't recommend that people use this thing as their cold storage wallet for like their important shit. This is your wallet, right? That's in your phone that has really great UX for signing. Like keep whatever money you have for your wallet, right? Like mm -hmm. however much you need, you know, to spend on like daily NFTs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and coffee. Yeah, and coffee, right? So that... It's just the experience for signing and dealing with that has to be good. So that's kind of the hope. But like security-wise, like the the details, there's a secure element on basically every phone. And that's a piece of hardware that's not on the chip. And then inside the chip, there's a trust zone, which is like a virtual machine that's separated from Android, right? From the rest of the operating system. And the trust zone can get like fingerprint inputs or whatever and then read the data from the secure element, which is the key, create the transaction bundle, create that signature, and then pass that to the application and display to the user that what it's doing. So that mm -hmm. that's kind of like the security thing. And this stuff exists on every device. Google could have turned this on four years ago. Apple could have turned this on four years ago. And like, you know, 13 years later, Apple developer conference, zero crypto features, absolutely zero. Yeah. And that's probably the selling point, right? This is a device that's purpose-built for them. Crypto people don't have a crypto phone, and they probably will never see those big names, at they least will. in the next five years. I think they will. I think the stuff like changes really quickly. We were working on Brew, this OS, right, for flip phones, and we had uh, this app jammed at bowling, had 2 million downloads. It was a bowling app that people played while they were I think commuting. I remember that one. Yeah. That was 2005. Then 2008, like half a billion people had an iPhone in their hands. So like stuff happens overnight. Yeah. We need like a crypto bowling game. Perfect. That yeah. could be fun. <laughs> you should get your guys on that. The pins could be like heads of uh, crypto thought leaders. <laughs> <laughs> Just all Larry Cermak's yeah. face. I'd play that game all day. <laughs> So the timing's interesting, right? Because now we, I'm sure you've been working on this since before price down horrendously, before Celsius, before Doe. Wait, the price is down? Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, it's funny because last time you were on the show, you talked about how you don't care about the price of anything and you just want to build stuff. So this is probably the best time for you. So Nobody's I'm, asking you about skyrocketing prices. You just I mean, honestly, launching things at, a, at the top will like destroy projects. Mm -hmm. It's like crippling. We got really lucky when Solana launched. It was like two days after the double black swan when America said that COVID exists and like the market crashed. March That was March 12th. We launched March 16th. <laughs> if we launched a day before that, we would have been screwed. 
right? Because like when that those big events happen, they take the wind out of all the news, all the traction, everyone, like all the narrative switch, and um, becomes really really hard to like pick stuff up back up and keep going. So, you know, it sucks that all this stuff blew up. I'm not a finance guy, but like I can kind of put the pieces together what mm-hmm. happened. It's probably good for the space, like to wash out all those things and then kind of start over and start building. Yeah. Well, you have one less competitor in a sense. I which, guess. Which helps. Yeah. It's not like a way that anybody wants to win, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little twisted. Who's your <laughs> Who's your biggest competitor? It's a good question. I don't really think about competition. You know, I like to <laughs> yeah. just look ahead and, and try to win. Um. What type of reaction were you expecting? I mean, I was. I thought we were gonna fall flat on our face, and then like people would be like, "The the whatever Solana phone sucks. This is lame." <laughs> Five pre-orders. Yeah, you have about fifteen hundred. Yeah, and that's like phantom users that have yeah. to have USDC in there, and like, it was awesome. It felt like good, like hearing the feedback from the developers, from like folks like Armani, from like you know Zed from Magic Eden. These mm-hmm. this is important to them because they can build more stuff, build applications that can just be like true Web three applications. And I think for normal people outside of crypto, it'll become apparent relatively soon because I I think that there's going to be a bigger focus on privacy. And by default, when you're building a Web three application, you're not building against a user, right? You're not storing user data. You don't have a concept of a user, a concept of a wallet that brings whatever data that thing brings. And you're just at a very low engineering level. You don't think of it as a user. You're like, I have an API that takes a 256 public key and a bunch of stuff, right? And it's not humans anymore. And those things are from the ground up designed to be private. So I think as the general public starts caring more about privacy and Web3 devs, have like some way to actually build awesome experiences that are don't have these like semi-custodial wallets or central like whatever things like true like Web3 stuff mm-hmm. starts taking off. I think we might actually see like adoption and like the stuff becoming important. What about in NFTs? NFTs for sure. Dude, 15 million NFTs got minted on Solana. Why? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> I think... I don't know. I used to play Ultima Online in the 90s, mm-hmm. extremely popular as a kid. And I would like go to the bank and get a cashier's check and then send it to some rando and get a thing inside that game. So there's like some inherent like thing where you get enough people together, right, in a digital experience. And if there's like a an understanding of ownership, like you can own something like no matter how it's represented, people will start figuring out how to pay for it and will pay for like stupid stuff like not even stuff that works in the game just for like aesthetics right it's a weird part of just human nature so i think that's happening with nfts right like these are like weird social networks weird communities being formed i expect if there's going to be like another marvel or disney brand it's probably being built right now somewhere within these like nft sets who knows maybe it's going to be okay bears i don't know yeah and there'll be some weird, like, you know, movie franchise on the Bears. I don't know what that storyline would be. Well, you see stuff like uh, Hello Kitty, right, out of Japan. That's purely like a character and a brand 
that then spun up into a bunch of media. Yeah. So that could happen with some of these weird NFT brands. Yeah, the folks that are building them are thoughtful about their communities. They're thoughtful about how this stuff grows. And um, they're actually like trying to do it in, in that way. And I think some of them will succeed. Obviously, some people were poking a little fun at you. Absolutely. I'm, uh, you know... I'm one of the first to, to poke myself, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was, uh, you know, is it, am I only going to be able to make calls 50% of the time? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about those criticisms? If you were to maybe summarize them, it could be. Yeah. Why, why jump to something when there's other things that uh, need to be fixed? I know. Markets and I know. If we doubled the number of devs working on the ETH2 merge, it's going to go twice as slow, you know? So like hard problems in layer ones, they're like driven by core teams and you can scale them as fast as you can if they increase timelines. But there's like limits there because you get into like a hard problem that only one brain can kind of iterate on. Like reliability is one of those. And every time we 10X in users, 10X in validators, we started with 40, it's like 3,400 now, like over half of what Ethereum has. And like user-wise, like you look at Nansen, they're a competitor, right, or no? I don't know. They have no, num no. they have numbers. Those numbers are higher than all the other networks. Sometimes <laughs> they're higher than all the other networks combined. So we're growing at a pace and scale that I think is pretty awesome. And obviously that's gonna every time that 10x is is gonna stress the implementation and any kind of mistakes will totally blow up in our face. But every major release fixes a bunch of those issues. And I don't know if you guys saw 1.10. So grateful that was out before the phone announcement because mm -hmm. the network has been like way better, way faster, like actually smooth, like, you know, people expect. What other things do we have under the hood that can improve or yeah. improve robustness? Yeah. So the big features that are in 110 that aren't activated yet and, and the big fundamental problem with Solana was that there's no fee markets. Mm -hmm. When we started, we thought like, where net blockchain and NASDAQ speed, Serum is going to be the most important use case. This was before we even talked to Sam, but I was just kind of thinking NASDAQ. It's got to be an exchange. And the transactions for an exchange are really, really small. And they're very simple. You place an order, you cancel it. And they don't take that much compute. And we're basically pricing all the transactions based on the number of cryptographic signatures in them. So that was like the heaviest point of computation. And the way we're doing fees is that if half of your capacity gets used up, you double the fees. If the remaining half gets used up again, you double them again. But like, even though Serum launched and did great, all the other stuff to launch on top of it was like super, super complicated. All these DeFi markets. Like the mangoes. Yeah. They're like heavy transactions that do very complicated things. And then the art bots on top of those and like pull a bunch of different things together. And, uh, that basically broke all our assumptions. So we've been like fixing them since. <laughs> and the main problem was that that fee model was just broken. Mm -hmm. And we needed to have something like Ethereum where you have gas fees, but Ethereum's broken too. So when you have like limited block space and you have a Board Ape, Yacht Club, Airdrop, and all these people want to go claim it at the same time, that fills up the block. But then you have something like a DeFi project that needs to have a liquidation and an Oracle price feed. And that thing is worth $50,000 to land. They are willing to outbid all those airdrop hunters, right? 
So now you have multiple different applications within the same state fighting for block space. So the cool thing that we built was that simply contract by, specific. Yeah. So this is because of Solana parallelism, all that all that fancy stuff we do in C level, it separates states into these little buckets and we can basically do the fees per bucket. So when you have an airdrop, really people are fighting to access the one bucket. And once they spill over, they're not included in the block and there's plenty of other block space left for everything else, for Solana Pay, for like some other random NFT men. So that would mean if there was like a spike in transaction volume for something like Serum, it wouldn't increase fees for minting yep. on, um, on an NFT platform. <sighs> yeah. So V0 of all the stuff is in 110. It's got to get activated. RPC nodes have to start enabling it while the providers got to enable it and like start measuring fees. I don't know if you guys remember how long it took 1559 to roll out. It's just- I dream about it every night. Yeah, it's hurting cats. <laughs> <laughs> because we're like actually decentralized, it's a bunch of random people and random time zones that yeah. like don't actually give a shit about what I say because they're making money. How do like, you how do you navigate <laughs> that? Uh, I have my memes, right? The Bernie meme. <laughs> <laughs> I pull out all the stops. <laughs> Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is known for continually innovating within the world of Swiss watchmaking. A pioneer in the use of titanium and ceramics, IWC today specializes in highly engineered watch cases manufactured from advanced materials such as colored ceramics, ceritanium, and titanium aluminide. This year's collection includes colored ceramic pieces in Lake Tahoe white, and Woodland Green. Discover the new collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. Were fee markets always part of the plan? No. We literally thought that, like, I mean, we would have built them if that was the plan. The original <laughs> thought was that, like, okay, there's going to be NASDAQ-style stuff on it, trading, and most of it is going to be market makers. And that's got to fill up most of the block, most of the block space. And we thought that simple approach was going to work pretty well. But, you know, in hindsight, it's 2020. Mm -hmm. Now it's less of NASDAQ and more Qualcomm. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, what are NFTs? What's the parallel of, of like NFTs to the real world? I don't know. Disney? Yeah, maybe. Yep. <laughs> I have no idea. So what else is going on? The phone, right? Yeah. That, that's a big deal. That's probably going to be like one of these things that's going to be uh, consuming us, you know, a lot of our time. But it's part of like adoption. It has to happen, right? Somebody has to do it. 
somebody has to succeed enough for both Google and Apple to then announce crypto features at their next like Google AO or you know Apple Dev Conference. Is part of it, you know, is there a degree of <laughs> there's been so much going on in the trading side, just so much stress, so many issues with like the VC world and the high frequency trading world. It's like <laughs> this is gonna provide some good respite from wormhole to oh yeah, everything else. Well, like it's good that there's other stuff happening because uh, any kind of thing with trading, you're dealing with people taking risk, and that risk blows up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's their job, right? Is to take on risk, and some of it, like they take too much, right? And uh, that's stressful, even like, and I can't help it, right? There's not like a bug that I can fix. There's not even like a problem that I can jump on and like code out of it. So. It feels like kind of helpless, but you got to watch and like, I don't know, support people. Austin is like pretty good at like coaching them through the wards. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have a good positive attitude. Yeah. yeah. Something I could probably learn from. I mean, but it shows, right? The degree to which Solana has changed since it first entered the market. Yeah. Yeah. Like the number of people that are installed Phantom and Soulflare and Glow and all these other wallets has been like growing and like these are not traders and you kind of like it's obvious right like you don't really trade that often mm -hmm. most people don't you know in my normal life i like looked at e-trade like once every six months and like that's probably normal right <laughs> did you plan to come back to phones uh like so when i started crypto and started like messing around with like those MetaMask 2018, right? Like things were really clunky then. And I got really excited when like Libra was announced and I thought like actually talk to them. Someone mobile first is getting yeah, into the space. Yeah, like can we connect him with Qualcomm and get him like actual support in the devices, but that like never went anywhere. And you really need like, you need Google and Apple to do it, but they're not going to do it until there's proven demand that people need it. So somebody has to kind of make that leap. And that's going to be tough. So like the SMS stack, it's all a bunch of open source code. Any OEM can pick it up. Anybody can like submit pull requests to add other chains, other features. We don't really care. But like you need an OEM to do it. And Awesome is that first OEM. And I want to build Awesome hardware with them. I don't know. I think once people get a really good experience of paying with like some random coin for stuff that they use, I think it'll flip it'll right? be their phone of choice yeah because now the stuff that the like whatever airdrop coins they got you know or whatever things they like played the crypto roulette on and, and ended up with it becomes money because they're spending it on stuff they use it'll actually become money <laughs> do you take issue with people who might say this is just a smart wallet or a smart crypto device versus this is gonna be my personal mobile phone um well it's like a Standard Android phone, the latest like Android builds, like their awesome material UI. How's the camera? Uh, it's it's a great camera. So it has the same like sensor on it, I think, as the latest Pixel. So like all that stuff is good. Like it's a really good phone. Like if you were to like price it based on the specs compared to like Google or Samsung, it should be thirteen, fourteen hundred bucks. But but we're in a bear market. Well, we don't want to. <laughs> we we want to take care of our like yeah. Our, power our, users yeah exactly like we wanted for them to be a no-brainer and i don't know i've seen people tweet that they will literally switch from ios for this 
I've never, ever, ever seen anyone say that about Android. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Dean, our producer, has an Android, and it is – it's tough. For, for SMS, like, what's that – like, who – they're sending aside $10 million for that yeah. to help developers sort of create things, leveraging the stack. What types of things have people, you know, since the launch expressed they're looking at doing? Uh, so games and NFTs, obviously, like uh, having a an app store that's Web3 friendly that doesn't have like fees and digital items is basically like everyone's eyes open up. They're like, okay, I can now like build a game with in-app purchases or whatever. They're all mm. Web3 and there's no 30% fee on it. Mm-hmm. And, like you can't actually use Web3 stuff in the current app stores because like what are you going to do with a $10,000 NFT? Are you going to like eat 3000 bucks as a dev or are you going to charge the user 13,000? It just doesn't work. Right? Like it's just those models are just completely broken. So a lot of games, a lot of like Magic Eden obviously, like all mm-hmm. the entire NFT space is pretty excited about it. Mhm. What have your old colleagues from the Qualcomm world what have they said about this? Uh, they're like uh what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like every everyone's really excited and supportive, but also like uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, but a lot of folks know Awesome and, and Jason, and like that's the best team we could possibly be working with. What do they think is crazy about it? I mean, we worked on every phone, <laughs> like literally, like uh, last one, Michael Vines, he's head of engineering. He has like a dozen dead devices. And like the graveyard and in, in is like on his desk. <laughs> the the Mozilla Firefox phone. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. So like I think that part is really risky, but you gotta try to fail for, you know, like somebody's gotta try it. <laughs> yeah. So what implications could this have for the Solana network? Like are there tools you can put in there to empower validators? Yeah, like like clients, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So these devices are like insane. It's 512 gigabytes of storage. The snapshot I think for the state right now is like 30 gigs. You can literally like, <laughs> people talk about like light client proofs and stuff. You can do the dumb, stupid brute force way where you download the entire snapshot and play the history of the ledger on this device. Mm. And you don't need like any anything fancy and it'll just verify that whether like the chain did an invalid state transition. Because there's enough like storage, a five Gs over one gigabit download, like it's got power. Yeah, it's, it's got, got some power. Yeah, and like it's only going to double. So I think you know this stuff keeps getting faster and faster. So the kind of security that people talk about, like all the cell phones in the world securing the network, I think that can definitely happen. Mm-hmm. But that's a bunch of engineering work. No one that no one's taking on for this like initial release. Yeah. So what's the like go to market strategy going forward? So I think our goal is to get the most active like developers, NFT users like in just in, build up that store. Yeah. Just get those people devices and give them a really good fun experience, you know, for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's actually like 50,000 of those users is a much better marketplace than the general app store mm-hmm. or devs. Yeah. Are you gonna have to hire? Yeah, we hired, but like you know, I've got if, if like mobile stuff, I have like a deep network. That yeah. part was pretty easy. Are you gonna build an app? 
Me personally? Yeah, maybe like a I, game or something. I suck at really? like I've never built anything with a UI. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the back. Yeah. I'd like to. I I can figure it out, but like I, I suck at that. Yeah. It's just I mean it's a different type of Yeah. It's a different type of skill. Yep. It's like writing a musical. Never never written a musical, have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to write this um, crypto yeah, boy. Crypto song? boy. I was gonna write my. You own... wrote that or no? You're... No, uh... no, no. I was gonna write my own verse to it, but I couldn't come up with anything that wasn't insanely cringe. So I didn't. I didn't bite the bullet. Sometimes you have to go so cringe that it. Loops. It isn't cringe. Yeah, it loops around. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think? Are you gonna move to New York? Uh, I know the city is like lying to me about the weather. Yeah, it's really I, I, nice. Yeah, I've been from I was lived in Chicago for a long time, so I know how that goes. There's a whole <laughs> Chicago like crew, Solana yeah. crew. Yeah, which was pretty cool to see. It's a undervalued city. There's a lot of like talent there, and a lot of like fun stuff. It's like in between, I think, you know, West Coast and New York. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, very in between. <laughs> I think it's a little closer to the east, but yeah, you, know, you have like a little hub there. Yeah. And, you know, I was there a few weeks ago. I went up to one of the devs. I was like, so what's the deal? Did you fix the clock or what? And he was like, you... Fix the clock. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> they were all really nice. I'm the, the hero guys that are building that yeah, settlement awesome. layer. Shout out to them. And the jump teams there, they have a few people. And then FTX is right across the street from where that little area is. And then there's some Solana devs as well. Yeah, it's like, you know, there's a lot of like trading happening in Chicago and a lot of that like little option startups that are doing HFT and that involves hardware, kernel system stuff and like finance. So it's a pretty deep pool of like talent. For like DeFi blockchains. So is DeFi still important? So NFTs are DeFi, I think. Okay. That's that's why it's really hard to find a parallel for them in the real world. There is like this thing where there's a smart contract that gets percentage of returns for secondary values, right? And people do staking and all these other things and governance with them. So they're clearly the same thing as like most of DeFi. But people, I think, use them for slightly different reasons, which are more mainstream. And that, to me, is, like, I think, interesting. How big can that get? Infinitely big. Sure. I don't know. (laughs) There is no limit. Oh, yeah. There is no limit. I mean, there's no limit to expression. Yeah. I like that. These These are new ways for people to express, right? Like, so it can get infinitely big. Or as many people as there are that want to express themselves. I'm sure there's some communists out there who just have no interest in that. I don't know. They, they want to seize all the means of digital. Item. All the memes of. Yeah, all the memes. Of production. <laughs> that, who, that was not cringe enough to loop back to not be cringe. That was <laughs> still cringe. <laughs> it is what it is. So. You're building again in a in a bear. You prefer it, I feel like. Yeah. Yep. There's less noise. Uh, and I think the founders that are still building are just like more dedicated 
higher mm-hmm. quality. Yeah. But has it been harder to like Hire? solicit devs or get them interested? I think just the, like, this is true about any startup. You need to hire people that are true believers that are there for like, these are all the stupid cliche Silicon Valley things. They're there for the mission, not for the money. Mm-hmm. And you got to reward them well and make them like feel like they have like a, a stake, a meaningful stake and have ownership. But if they're there as mercenaries, then when these downswings happen, they just bolt. Yeah. And like as a startup, it's really, really hard to lose people. Like when people leave, you've lost like a lot of the context, like the human like thing that's actually driving and building things. Mm-hmm. And you guys have enough capital to yeah, stay the course. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We got plenty of runway. You guys were the ones that raised the pie round? Yeah. Yeah. So that was way like, back when. Way back. I felt like years ago. Lana Tully, so great to have you on the show. Thank you. Where can people pre order the phone? SolanaMobile.com. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there. But yeah, go, go pre order it. It's a hundred bucks for a pre-order. The device is going to be a thousand dollars. There's an SDK. Go in the Discord. Go talk to Steven. Go build some shit. Is it going to have a token? Uh, you know, honestly, I don't know, but I don't want one right now. Yeah. I'm like feeling anti-token right now. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a bear market feel. Yeah. Maybe when the bull market it, comes it's just, back. It's just distracting, right? Like, what yeah. does this token do? Why is it here? You got to explain it. Oh, you don't yeah. need to explain it. It has an NFT, though. It does. Yeah, so there's a, the Saga Pass. So, like, I think a lot of the stuff that people complain about moderation and app stores, how stuff moves and all these other things, we want to, like, make sure that the people that are, like, the device owners get this thing and then participate. Mm. And, like... It's governance, and governance is a shit show in crypto, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's but, like really interesting if you think about if we had power over what these phone makers do. Yeah. You know, just screwing us over with different power ports and changing things that don't really need to be changed or just ruining the experience. What if, like, what if we could decide yeah. all of those things? And what if as like a startup building a product, you had like immediate feedback that was Sybil resistant from power users and like users in the platform or what they wanted the product to be? Mm. That could be really cool, right? Yeah. Because it, NFTs, right, have value. There's like people that are willing to like whatever, put their mouth where their money is on like the features that they want and the direction where, where it wants to go. And like that's a feedback loop that doesn't exist in like most like traditional product development. So that like I care about that part, right? I think that could be like really awesome. And this is why I don't want to think about the token because that's like a whole thing. There's already what's your favorite yeah. part about the phone? I think the green buttons are pretty cool. Yeah, the green buttons are cool, and it's steel, and it the steel is like precision finished and stuff and then like the screen is purple the screen's pretty yeah pretty it's sweet. like 120 fps it's just like ah, it's the future i don't know <laughs> it's like it's a nice device and i feel good holding it and that was what my biggest worry it's got good weight yeah that was my biggest worry it's gonna come back from like manufacturers and be like stuff that's like doesn't match or like mm-hmm. things that are like out of line and, and like it's it's just awesome it's super cool. 
Well, thanks again for coming on the show. For sure. Thank you. Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.